Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Period, the podcast for people who want all things real, raw and reputable, where we smash taboos and break down stigmas. I'm your host, Isabella Gosling, and today's episode is with the bright and knowledgeable Dr. Maddie Walker. Dr. Maddie is a qualified acupuncturist registered with the AACMA and APRA. She believes that the healing abilities of Chinese medicine are unique, just like every patient who walks through the door. She is passionate about helping her clients reach optimal health and well-being through natural medicine. She has a special interest in treating women's health and fertility, cosmetic, emotional and digestive conditions. Dr. Maddie is so passionate about treating women's health, not just because she wants to help others, but because she also has personal experience through going through her own chronic health journey for years, which still involves searching for the right professionals and receiving information that is both helpful and correct. In this chat, we talk on traditional Chinese medicine and what it actually is, the different tools used in TCM, how TCM can help with endometriosis and adenomyosis, the impacts and how we can help to reduce our stress levels, the role of herbs and the importance of practitioner prescribed herbs, why Dr. Maddie wants an action plan implemented for each patient when they see any health professional, plus so much more. Maddie was so giving of her time and her knowledge, and I cannot wait for you to hear this chat. So here is Maddie. Dr. Maddie, welcome to Let's Talk Period. I am so stoked to be chatting with you today. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to be on with you. And the question we normally ask our guests when they come on our podcast to start off our episode is what have you done to nourish your body today? So can you share with the listeners what you've done to nourish yourself today? Yes. So um, I actually slept in today, which was really nice. <laughs> um, so I did have plans to get up early and go to the gym, but it's been a big week and um, I'm getting better myself to listening to my body and when yeah. I need to actually have sleep. So um, I just got rid of that alarm and slept in until about 7.30, which is really nice. <laughs> um, great way to start the day. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Wish it could be every day. <laughs> um, and I just had a nice um, cup of peppermint tea and just did a little bit of stretching. Um, and something that I'm going to be doing today um, is I'm going to be seeing my psychologist um, who I see every few weeks. Um I think it's really important for healthcare practitioners to also look after their own health, especially, mm-hmm. you know, like when we're dealing with um, obviously lots of other patients during the week, it can be sometimes a bit overwhelming. So I'm um, putting myself first today and, and doing that. Oh, they're all really wonderful things you're doing tonight <laughs> yourself. I love that you mentioned seeing a psychologist as well, because I think, even though you might not necessarily think, you know, traditional Chinese medicine or acupuncture is like counselling or therapy, but when Mm. you're doing those sessions, people are disclosing information to you and I'm sure it can be overwhelming at times when you are dealing with all of those things. Yeah, absolutely. And um, when people start to relax um, because that's what acupuncture does help mm. with <laughs> um they yeah they do um start to open up and disclose what they're going through and they 
And obviously I try and make it a comfortable space for them so they feel like they can talk about it, but it can be a little bit overwhelming at times. So yeah, have to look after myself as well. (laughs) Definitely, for sure. Do you have any morning rituals or routines that you normally do to start your day? I know you mentioned a cup of peppermint tea and some (laughs) stretching. Is that what every day looks like for you? Not every day, but I do try (laughs) and do that when I can. Um, Some days I, I just need a bit more sleep. So it's a little bit of a rush to work, which I do notice, um, you know, I'm not the best when that happens. But yeah, I do try and have a, a cup of tea in the morning and then go outside just for about 10 minutes to have it and, and leave my phone inside and just kind of be like in the fresh air um, and just kind of go through my thoughts of the day. Um, but um, yeah, when I get to work every morning, what I do is, it might sound a bit weird, <laughs> but <laughs> some. Eastern medicine for you. Um, I play some meditation music that helps to um, what they call like open up like your heart energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I play that in the room and that basically um, sets the tone so that um, I don't know, I'm treating from like my heart in a sense or like from a really mm. pure energy. So that's something I kind of do that I don't tell many people it might seem a bit weird, but um, yeah, that's what I do in the mornings. <laughs> Oh, that's really lovely. I really like that. And it's a nice way to start the day, especially at work, because you can get into work and just feel really flustered and just get straight Mm. into the motion. So that's a really lovely practice to include in your day. Thank you. (laughs) Now, we often talk about having a toolkit of therapies, people, strategies, items, and all sorts of good things that can assist us to manage our health, especially when we have a chronic condition. Is there something that you would recommend to our listeners that they add to their toolkits to help them with managing their health? Um, Yes, I do have a few things. Oh, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But a lot of these people probably already include in their toolkits. But um, number one is a health practitioner team, so a good support network. Um, So that can include um, people like psychologists, um, acupuncturists, nutritionists, chiros, um, physios, all those different therapies that can help you in different ways. I think it's really important to have a team. Like I myself, I have an acupuncturist that I see. I see a chiro nutritionist and a psychologist and that's just you know it helps re reboot me Mm. um I think um a heat pack is one of the main things that (laughs) everyone usually has um but I recommend to my patients trying to do it even if it's just 10 minutes at night time while you're watching tv um just to help increase that blood circulation in that abdomen um I also recommend bone broth to a lot of people Mm. so um doesn't sound the nicest. <laughs> no, that's um, okay. I have I'm a big bone broth uh, fan as fan. well. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. So so that helps to in Chinese medicine um, build our blood. Um, and obviously in Western medicine, like you have all the good um, red blood cells and and stuff like that from the bone. Um, and it helps to um, work with our menstrual cycle, our digestive cycle, um, and things like even like our skin. So um, that's something that I recommend to have in your toolkits. And um, just one other thing that I usually recommend is to have a scheduled time in your week. That's just like your your time. So 
if it's um, an afternoon or a morning sometime during the week where you could go to the beach or go to your favourite cafe and just like have a cup of tea or something like that, that something you can look forward to during the week and being like, oh, yes, this is going to be me time. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> oh, they were all amazing suggestions. Um, I love the me time thing. I think we all forget to block out some time just for ourselves and I think it's important to schedule it in so it's kind of like a non-negotiable. Yeah, yeah, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to switch gears a little bit and I want to talk about your role and I want to know, did you always want to do traditional Chinese medicine? Is that something that you were always interested in or how did you, uh, what led you into this career path? Yeah, so it, um, it's a bit of a different one. And whenever someone asks me what I do, I say, oh, I'm a Chinese medicine practitioner. And they're like, oh, that's different. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> um, but basically, um, after I left high school, I started my Bachelor of Psychology at UQ. Um, and I lasted, I think it was like two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Um, knew it wasn't for me pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, but I think after leaving high school, um, like a lot of people struggle with their mental health and mentally I just was not ready to study again. I think I was exhausted. Mm. Um, so I took the year off and had a gap here and um, started working as a receptionist at a natural health clinic um, that um, my family used to go to a lot as well. Um, and yeah, I just noticed like patients would come out and they'd be like floating through air and everything <laughs> smelled good <laughs> and they just looked really happy. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. Like, I really like, I really like this idea. Um, and as I was growing up, I always used to get acupuncture for any injuries or other things as well. Like my parents would take me to go there. Um, so it was kind of, always right in front of me but I never really saw it which is weird <laughs> like you can't see the forest for the trees <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> um and yeah it wasn't until I'd had some time in my gap year I'm like all right what am I it's coming to that time where I have to apply for another degree what am I going to do and I just remember speaking to my dad and being like how do you study acupuncture like I love I love what they do and everyone looks really happy and they look really happy to go to work um, and just Googled acupuncture courses and there was an open day on that Sunday and um, I went to it and signed up straight away and it was like, yeah. okay, <laughs> this is meant to be. <laughs> oh, that's always so cool when those things happen and they just like align really beautifully. Yeah, I think I was meant to kind of have that year off and, um, you know, start at two weeks in a different um health course but yeah that one just wasn't for me so yeah <laughs> and it's really tricky when you're young and you know I'm not that much older myself I'm, I'm 26 but <laughs> yeah speaking back to like when I was 16 17 there is that pressure placed on young people to find out what they want to do straight out of high school and it's so tricky yeah absolutely and during that gap year as well I think that gave me a lot of anxiety and I actually went and saw a um, special um, doctor of Chinese medicine that did um, really good raw herbs and I went and saw her for about three months frequently and I was just a completely different person after about three months of treatment and I was like, oh, this is really cool stuff. 
just getting to like witness the power it can have. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I'd love to talk a bit more about Chinese medicine now and I'd love to know what it is. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, because our listeners might not know. So if you've never heard of Chinese medicine before, um, can you give us like a brief overview of what it is and what a a traditional Chinese medicine practitioner would typically do in a day or something like that? Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, TCM stands for traditional Chinese medicine. And it's an ancient Eastern medicine that was first um, recorded in like um, historical history books about two and a half thousand years ago. So it's a very old medicine. Um, And traditionally it was used as a preventative medicine where families would have um, visits visits from like the village doctor um, to come help build their immune system um, in preparation for the seasons over in in China Mm. and stuff. Um, So it's a medicine that includes uh, acupuncture, which is the insertion of like small um, stainless steel needles, which I'd like like to say are not the same as normal needles that you'd get from um, an injection like the flu jab or anything like that. They're um, almost as thin as a hair and you hardly feel them. And most of the time they only go in superficially. <laughs> so, On the um, record, they're not massive. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> that can be very intimidating. Definitely. Um, yeah, although they were massive back in the day, but not anymore. <laughs> um, and Chinese medicine also includes the use of herbs as well. Um, and that we use those two in combination usually. Some conditions, like even things like endo and adeno, um, they're more internal than superficial, like a, an injured shoulder or something like that. So we do like to prescribe herbs that um, do have a bit of a stronger effect internally. Um, so if you go and see a Chinese medicine doctor, it would usually include an acupuncture treatment, maybe some cupping, a little bit of massage, um, and usually some herbal prescription. Lovely. And can you talk to us a little <laughs> bit about what cupping is for people who don't know? Yeah, sorry, that does Oh, no, you're fine. <laughs> it's not groping. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so cupping... You use a, um, so literally picture like a glass cup. Um, And what we do is we put um, a kind of like a flame inside the cup. So what it does is it sucks the oxygen out. So it creates like a pull and we quickly put the flame in the cup, pull it out and then pop the cup on top of the person's body. And that helps to suck the um, fascia and the muscle up into the cup a little bit. And what that does is it helps to bring blood to that area, um, stretch out the muscles and the fascia, and it helps to um, warm the body as well. Mm, And what are some of the benefits of like bringing that blood flow to the top of the body? Yeah. So um, the area that the areas that we put the cups on, so say they're for like, um, um, for example, like some period pain, we can put them on the abdomen. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that does is it any stagnation that is kind of lying dormant, it brings it to the surface and what we kind of think like up and out of the body. Um, and also more blood flow to, to the local area so it can trigger um, kind of like a histamine response to release all the good cells to go there and start the healing. Wonderful. 
wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> Thank um, you. <laughs> and so you just briefly touched on the role that uh, TCM can have on period pain. Can you sort of talk more specifically around what role it can have in assisting people who do suffer from endometriosis or adenomyosis? Yeah, absolutely. So um, in, uh, I guess, Western medicine terms, um, acupuncture helps to trigger the release of a chemical known as adenosine, which is a local anesthetic um, and anti-inflammatory um, chemical. So um, there was actually a study, one study that showed after 30 minutes of acupuncture, the concentration of adenosine in the blood had risen to a level 24 times greater than its baseline level in the body. So wow. it really, yeah, it really helps to, to trigger the release of all those anti-inflammatory and anesth- um, anesthetic chemicals that the body can create to a, to a higher degree. Um, and where the acupuncture needle is inserted, it triggers um, kind of like a local firing of the nerves. So it signals to the brain to release a wide variety of chemicals, including red blood cells, white blood cells, and histamines to that particular area. So with endo and adeno, we treat locally a lot of the time. So on the lower abdomen, and what that helps to do is um, bring a form of anesthetic and anti-inflammatory to the area. Um, But also, I guess, in a Chinese medicine perspective, there's particular channels that pass through different organs and areas in the body and different acupuncture points that we put in help to regulate the flow of qi and blood through those channels. So for example, when we have um, period pain um, in the right lower hand part of the body, we're going to treat a channel that's that crosses through that area um, to help move that stagnation through. And usually you do get a sense of relief through there. Um, but yeah, it helps to helps to increase blood flow to the ovaries and the uterus, um, which improves chances of like ovulation. Um, and even when it comes to um, women who have endo and adeno um, for conception, so it really helps to work with the ovum implanting on the uterine wall um, and building up the um, the thickness of the lining, which is usually uh, depleted or reduced a lot in, in patients with endo because they had. Um, the marina, which helps to actually thin that lining. So you want to work on building it a little bit more so that um, an embryo can attach. (laughs) Sort of replenishing that lining. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I was reading all about the stagnation and all the different blocks to do with like the liver and Mm. channels and I was just so interested and there's so many things that we just aren't commonly educated about around Chinese medicine. So I think it's a really valuable treatment modality that needs more awareness. Yeah. Oh, I obviously agree. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, having that knowledge myself, like has also has helped me and I kind of um, like to share a little bit of that with my friends and obviously my patients, but I'm like, oh, you know, like you're coming up to your period. So you want to nourish your liver, which helps to supply blood to the, your uterus in Chinese medicine. Mm. So make sure you have heaps of um, leafy green veggies, which help nourish the liver, like those sorts of things that you can do, which are really easy. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's amazing Chinese medicine, just the way it kind of relates 
relates all together. Yeah. It's all really interconnected and part of the body relates to another. Exactly. Yep. It's all about trying to find that balance in the body. (laughs) (laughs) Now I want to chat on stress, which I'm sure is, you know, very, very important, (laughs) very important, very, a common concern that a lot of people have. And I'm it plays a huge role in TCM. Can you talk on the impacts that stress can have on our bodies and also just some ways in which that we could reduce our stress levels? Yeah, sure. So um, in uh, today's Western culture, stress is pretty much something that accompanies everyone that walks through the door. (laughs) Um, So stress triggers um, the nervous system to switch from parasympathetic to sympathetic. So that's basically going from rest and digest, everything's functioning well and is in imbalance um, to fight or flight where uh, particular nerves are kind of switched off and your body, you know, your heart race increases, your breathing increases, um, your digestive system goes out of whack. Um, so being constantly stressed means that that nervous system is constantly in play and that releases all sorts of stress chemicals through the body like cortisol um, and this obviously is not healthy <laughs> um, your body needs to have that balance and it's important to bring yourself back into the parasympathetic nervous system so acupuncture has the ability to basically to kind of turn the nervous system off and on again like you're turning your phone off and on again when it's not working so it helps to reboot your nervous system and restore the functioning of organs. Um, And in Chinese medicine too, we look at emotions as being a cause of disease, which is one of the things that I absolutely love about TCM. It's very um, like holistic and inclusive of all parts of the body. Um, So for example, grief and sadness affects the lungs in Chinese medicine. Um, Depression, irritability and frustration affects the liver the most which is, you know, we can relate to our period. So when there's not a good amount of blood in the liver and it causes stagnation leading up to our period, if there's not a good flow, we get really irritable and really um, really stressed and angry and frustrated and and depressed as well. Um, So it's really, really interesting how um, those different emotions can, like they literally affect our organs in Chinese medicine. Um, So that's the way that we kind of look at it. Um, so we want to narrow down the type of stress or the root of the stress in the patient. So it could be things like um, depression or fear or sadness, and then we treat the um, associated organ. Um, but, yeah, ways that we can reduce stress. So I'm a big, big advocate for um, expressing your emotions and not repressing them, even though that can be the easier thing to do sometimes. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Um, So even if you don't want to talk to someone, even journaling um, and letting it kind of out of your mind and onto paper, um, making sure that you do have some sort of physical activity. So physical movement helps to move stagnation in your body in Chinese medicine. So it's literally like, you know, when you go for I don't know, a run or go to Pilates and you start to feel a bit better. That's because the stagnation's moved through the channels um, and it's released all the good chemicals. Um, trying to steer clear of 
foods that make you feel really gross <laughs> or like <laughs> congested or inflamed. Um, that's a big one um, because that gut relationship to the brain um, is, is really important and has a big effect. So I notice um, if I've had even things like um, alcohol on the weekend, um, I can get anxious or stressed like the next day. So there is a big relationship between food and stress. Um, so the, the other one, meditation, which people are like, oh, whatever, meditation. <laughs> <laughs> um, but meditation doesn't have to be like sitting in a, in a yoga pose and like making weird noises. It can <laughs> just be um, lying on your bed for five minutes um, and controlling your breathing. Um, and I think that's a really important thing for stress. And also just um, making sure you're getting enough sleep because sleep helps us, um, helps ourselves to, to reset and obviously um, having a good sleep routine. So um, don't have a coffee at like 9pm. Um, Not a good try- idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, those are some things I think will help reduce stress. Okay, thank you for sharing those. I think they're all really important tools that we can include to help us reduce our stress levels when as you said everyone who walks through the door always has some form of stress going on yeah exactly (laughs) Uh, when you're treating someone who has endo or adeno what are some of the different tools or strategies you use I know you mentioned the use of cupping or maybe herbs but can you sort of dive in a little bit more specifically around those treatment options yeah, sure. So um, usually when I'm treating someone with endo or adeno, um, we obviously give them a specific Chinese medicine diagnosis. So it's a very individualized um, medicine, which I really like. It's not just um, one thing fits all. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, one of the things is Chinese dietary advice. So I look Um, at the, obviously at the diagnosis of the person. And I might think, oh, well, their, for example, spleen um, is deficient. Um, And so we need to work on them eating foods that help to nourish the spleen. So that's things like orange root veggies, um, like pumpkin, carrot, um, sweet potato, and having warm and cooked foods. So um, if things are too cold or raw, it kind of slows down the metabolism in Chinese medicine. So um, speeding up metabolism so things are absorbed better. Um, So we kind of go into detail about what sort of foods to eat from a Chinese medicine point of view. Um, And while I'm treating the patient, I always use an infrared heat lamp. So that helps to increase blood circulation and dilate the blood vessels so there's more going to the um, abdominal organs, which does help to alleviate some discomfort, which is why we use heat packs a lot. (laughs) Um, And a lot of the time I use um, something called moxa in Chinese medicine, which is a herb made out of mugwort. And we burn this over or on specific acupuncture points and areas to help warm them. It moves stagnation and it helps to build chi, chi and blood. So this also helps to reduce things like swelling, um, improve blood circulation and yeah, alleviate pain. So that's something we use. Um, and sometimes if you come across someone that's had 
Chinese medicine treatment, um, they might smell a little bit like weed. (laughs) Um, So mugwort is actually um, a cousin of marijuana, which is really interesting because I was actually just listening to your podcast with um, Georgia. Yes, Georgia. Sorry. Yeah, in front of my brain. Um, And she was talking about, um, you know, like um, medical um, cannabis. Mm. And I'm like, oh, that's actually really interesting that there's that relationship there. And in Chinese medicine, we've known for ages that this herb that's related to marijuana helps to um, improve um, and pain levels, helps to improve circulation. So, yeah, I think that's a really cool little relationship there. Um, Definitely. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But in Chinese medicine, we prescribe what we call like a point prescription. So we make up a bunch of, um, or not make up, we use a bunch of points for the individual, but almost always I use or I include certain points on women that help with their menstrual cycle. So there's two channels in particular, one called the Ren Mai and the other called the Chong Mai. And um, the Chong and Ren Mai, they help to, um, they control the menstrual cycle and they have an important role in pregnancy and conception. So the Chong Mai is also called the um, the penetrating vessel <laughs> and, and the Ren Mai is called the conception vessel. So um, these are known as the sea of blood and the sea of yin. And this kind of encompasses all the body fluids um, and it represents like a nurturing motherly nature, these channels. So we work on opening these channels up um, in in all of my patients um, and they actually pass through the uterus to the perineum. So they have a really strong influence on all of the um, abdominal and reproductive organs. Um, Now, I I always use um, a point that helps to calm your spirit or your shen in Chinese medicine one that I love the most is called yin tang and it's right in the middle in between um, your eyebrows. Um, So that one helps to um, treat anxiety and insomnia and it helps to clear the mind. Um, And obviously we know that endo and adeno aren't just a physiological um, condition. It has a lot of mental associations with it. So I always use that to help calm the patient because when you're calm um it helps to release happy hormones as well and happy chemicals to help with the healing process um but yeah that's kind of what um a Chinese medicine treatment looks like (laughs) that sounds amazing that thank you for going into so much detail there and I think that will take some of the anxiety out of um people who might not have been to a treatment before and they're a bit unsure of what to expect or what the different things are that people use so thank you for explaining that (laughs) that's all right (laughs) now you did touch on herbs briefly and that's something we're asked about regularly what herbs should you take what supplements should you take what are your recommendations (laughs) around taking herbs and suggestions that you have yes so um with herbs um I definitely recommend make sure that they are actually prescribed by a health practitioner. So um, there are supplements and herbs that are kind of floated around a lot on the, on the internet um, that, yes, <laughs> that can cure your period pain. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, definitely 
don't just buy off the internet, go see a registered health practitioner. They can also make sure that the herbs are targeted specifically to you. So another kind of thing, like not every single supplement is going to affect you the same way it affects someone else. Um, But when you are given herbs, make sure that you like follow the right dosage and the other instructions that are given for taking the herbs. So usually with Chinese medicine, um, we recommend to have it with warm water, which it helps the absorption of the herbs and to have it half an hour to an hour away from food. So more on an empty stomach. So it's absorbed a bit better as well. Um, And to make sure you actually take the herbs constantly. So a lot of the time I'll prescribe herbs um, and they'll be like, oh, how, how are the herbs going? Like, oh, you know, like I, I forgot about them yesterday, but I had one lot of them today. But then the day before that, like I missed that. And it's like, okay, well, we need to make sure that you're constantly taking them because they're not going to have the proper therapeutic effect if you're not, um, you know, consuming them the right way. Um, and one other thing, um, most herbs are fine to take with other medication, but making sure that your health practitioner knows all the medication that you are taking so that there's no like adverse biochemical interactions. So for example, if you're taking um, any blood thinners like warfarin or heparin, um, your practitioner shouldn't um, supply, we supply you with herbs that move blood stagnation because that will thin out the blood even more and then you'll get like really bad bruising or you might have um, a really, really heavy period because it's promoting too much um, too much thinning of the blood. So, um, yeah, making sure you disclose all of your medication um, to the practitioner that's going to give herbs and, yeah. <laughs> they are such important tips. So consistency is key, mm-hmm. being open about what medications you're taking and following the prescription correctly, uh, not just buying random herbs off the internet. <laughs> hoping for the best yes that's a big waste of money (laughs) (laughs) what would you like to see change within the gynecological health space okay so (laughs) um I know myself from being someone who's seen um multiple gynecologists and specialists for my own health and what I've struggled with and I've seen lots of my patients struggle with um is actually the bedside manners and emotional intelligence of um, specialists and gynecological doctors. Um, Yeah, I think that's a really, really, really big and important thing that we need to do more work on. So even if it becomes like a mandatory thing for professional development each year that um, people who work within the gynecological health space um, do to improve the way that they speak to patients, the way that they can read patients and um, deliver their information. That's something I'd actually really like to see um, happen. Um, I think that's for every health practitioner that they should do that, um, but especially for um, women's health because it is such an emotional um, roller coaster. Um, I'd love to see a referral-based system or like team of health practitioners um, happen. So doctors that recommend to patients to see different practitioners in different fields. So it's kind of like combining Eastern and Western medicine and bringing the best of both worlds as like one integrated whole so that it comes up with like the best sort of healthcare system that supports um, patients in all areas because 
um, a lot of the time it can see as a bit of like a head to head, like, um, like no Western medicine, no Eastern medicine, but they both have such an important role and there are so many great things about both of them. So if we utilized the best of both worlds, I just think that would be amazing. Definitely. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I'd also like to see um, kind of like a, an action plan implemented with a patient when they see their specialist. So um, a lot of the time there's a lot of information that's just kind of spat out to you and you leave feeling really confused. What do I do next? Um, I don't know who to contact. So actually having a, an action plan implemented that the patient can take home, like step by step, this is what you do next. I think that would help to ease a lot of anxiety and save lots of time and money too. <laughs> um, yeah, obviously more research and funding is a big, big thing. Um, it needs, and like you guys are amazing, you're spreading more awareness. And I think that is freaking awesome um, what you guys <laughs> are doing. So um, even more of that and people sharing stuff that you guys are doing um, is really important. Um, sorry, I've got a big list. <laughs> no, that's fine. I love it. I'm living for all these recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> um, free period care, especially for like, like obviously with New Zealand, um, how there's now free period care for high schools, just even starting off with something like that. Um, so just for high schools or primary schools as well, because girls get their periods at a young age as well. Mm. Um, or even in workplaces have free period care available. Um, and one other thing that I do have, um, obviously some strong feelings towards because I had a bad <clears throat> experience myself on the pill, but, um, just to not, I'd love for it to not be a, um, fix all solution um so when people go to the doctors and they say I've got really bad period pain I feel nauseous when I get my period I have bad digestion they go oh, okay go on the pill those signs and symptoms they need to be investigated <laughs> they need to go see a specialist you need to be referred on so that you can have something like surgery which can help ease those symptoms um, and not just be put on the pill that covers it for a period of time. And then when it comes time to fall pregnant, um, you know, you, you go, oh, I have, I have endo or I have adeno and I could have been um, working towards managing this for a long time beforehand and it's not, you know, too late to fall pregnant. Um, and I understand that the pill is used as a management option too after surgery and that is up to um, the individuals and their specialists and what works best for their bodies. Like the marina works really good for some people mm -hmm. and it doesn't for others. But for it to not just be that kind of hand in the face, I don't want to hear what you have to say. Here's the pill, take yeah. that, you'll be right. So slap on a Band-Aid, you'll be yeah. good. Yeah, exactly. So I think being listened to <laughs> and having more investigations um, instead of, yeah, just here's the pill. <laughs> And I think the recommendation you made around the action plan after seeing a specialist or a health mm. practitioner is a really good suggestion because you do walk away from those appointments sometimes feeling a little bit overwhelmed or a lot overwhelmed. Yeah. And you 
go, oh my God, what did we just talk about? That was so much information. And if you weren't able to take a support person along with you, you kind of forget what the outcome even is and what you're meant to be doing and what the next steps are. So having just like even a one pager piece of paper around next steps, what we're investigating, what we're looking at, what our next treatment phase is, would be a really beneficial tool for um, not just specialist gynae care but also any sort of health practitioner that you are working with so if you're seeing a dietitian or a naturopath or a TCM mm. doctor um, just to give you some notes to jot down so you can remember what you're working towards and have that in the back of your mind a little bit better yeah absolutely um yeah because it is because it is such an emotionally triggering thing as well, hearing, you know, a diagnosis or you need to have surgery. Um, so your brain just shuts off usually from yeah. what you have to do. And then you leave and you're like, who do I have to contact or what do I have to do next? And yeah, I think that would be, um, yeah, a really good thing to help things run better. Yeah, definitely. Just <laughs> for a smoother process and mm. really ease that anxiety that a lot of people feel as well. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I also love the chatting about bedside manner and conversations and relating to your patient as well, because I think a lot of the time, you know, as you said, it is such a mental process and you're already feeling overwhelmed, stress and anxious heading into that appointment. And just having that doctor or health professional who is aware, they Mm. know how to interact with you and having resources around interacting with people um, and how to interact with people who have endo, adeno, PCOS, and just some more empathy would be beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know one person that's had their first experience uh, with a specialist and being like, that was awesome. I feel so good. I feel relaxed. I feel like everything's under control. Um, they didn't make me feel anxious. You know, they're always like, oh, they just dismissed my my pain. Um, I don't know what to do. Have to find another one now. So yeah, I think training would be, if that was implemented as a um, necessary thing to do, that would be awesome. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Is there anything you'd like to share with our listeners today that you haven't already or anything else you'd like to talk on with them today? Um, yeah, sure. I kind of wanted to, um, just talk about, um, a little bit of like a whatever sort of thing, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) the importance of, um, self-love, um, and, um, self kind of gratification. So we're, we're our own worst critics a lot of the time. Um, and even if it's things like getting dressed in the morning and looking at our bodies and going, oh God, or like, oh, looking a bit swollen today or, oh, there's that endo belly, um, but telling yourself, like, you're beautiful, um, like, and I love you. And that's something that I actually started doing a few months ago um, at gym when we do, like, a bit of a stretching afterwards. I'd, um, I started telling my body, like, um, I love you, um, I'm here for you. It sounds a bit crazy, but literally talking to my body and being like, thank you, yeah, thank you for doing what you do for me and because, yeah, that negative self-talk, it does take a toll um, mentally and physically. Um, and I love to encourage everyone to do something that makes them happy today. So um, call a friend that you haven't spoken to in a while or um, 
go for a nice walk that you've wanted to do, um, watch a favourite TV show, but do something that makes you feel happy today. Um, and, yeah, and I, I do have um, my own little podcast that I've just launched <laughs> um, <laughs> called called Flourish and Flow. Um, and, yeah, um, I've kind of linked that with my Dr. Maddie Acupuncture Instagram. Um, so I've, I'm just trying to help um, supply knowledge from a health science background as well. And um, I'm really passionate about only sharing um, the best information and not misinformation regarding women's health. So um, I wanted to also kind of incorporate that into a podcast. But, yeah, that's um, my own little side project that I've started to do. So exciting. (laughs) Um, And we'll definitely link that in the show notes for our listeners to check out as well because... Oh, thank you. What you're doing incredible. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. That's you guys as well. Like I love what I love the work. I just yeah, it's so good. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Period with Dr. Maddie Walker. If you loved what Dr. Maddie had to say and you want even more from her, you can check her out on Instagram at Dr. Underscore Maddie underscore Acupuncture. Maddie has also started her own podcast, Flourish and Flow, to help spread awareness for women's health and share others' stories. You can search Flourish and Flow wherever you get your podcasts to have a listen. If you want to keep updated with what we're up to, you can follow us over on Instagram at Let's Talk Period AU. And if you do enjoy listening and want to be notified when new apps drop, you can subscribe if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, so purple button, tap it, or follow if you are listening on Spotify. I would also love it if you could share the episode with a friend or a family member or even show how you're listening through tagging us on Instagram stories or posting a photo of you listening in your Instagram grid. It really does help us out and it grows our podcast community, especially as we are a little independent podcast. Let's Talk Period is a production of Quendo, a non-for-profit organization supporting anyone affected by endometriosis, adenomyosis, PCOS or infertility. Let's Talk Period is produced for educational purposes and the information, recommendations and topics talked about does not constitute medical advice or take into consideration your personal circumstances or medical history.